RadioInfluence.com. Welcome, 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 welcome back. Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. How's everyone doing out there this week? How are you? How are you? I hope you're doing grand. You dig? Your boy, Mr. Black Moses, thank you for asking. I'm doing quite grand. I'm doing quite grand. Um, <laughs> um, thank you for asking. Listen, man, listen. Um, Oh, man, there's so much stuff going on. You know, 2020 has been ridiculous. And but in its ridiculousness, it has left us with a few gems, a few gems. Uh, and, And I think I believe I know that when it's all said and done, 2020 will be one of the most memorable years for, you know, obviously for all of the wrong reasons, but I believe that there's going to be a lot of right reasons. There's going to be, there's just been some truly, truly amazing things that have occurred this year. And to be specific, obviously in terms of the motorcycle industry, um, how we've changed, how we've adapted to how race event, how events in general are being held how rides are being held, how our culture has adjusted and adapted. And, um, you know, it's 2020, man, 2020. I talked about it at the beginning of the year about us moving the needle. I kind of feel like maybe 2020 was like, no, we're going to move the needle. Like maybe the year decided that it wanted to move the needle on us. It's all good. You know, um, you know, we adapt, we, we, uh, improvise, we overcome, you know, we, 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 we do what we need to do to get to where we need to get to you dig. Um, and, and that's, and that's, that's very, very interesting. When you, when you just think about as a rider, think about all the things that you would have normally done over the last several months. Okay. Think about all the places that you would have gone. Think about all the places all the events that you would have been to and all the things, your travels and what have you. Um, and, you know, for some of us, some of us, and I'm using the collective collective us, you know, those that went to Sturgis, you know, yeah, yeah you talk about, I'm, hey, talk about ride or die. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been to Sturgis. Sturgis is a fantastic, fantastic experience as a writer, uh, as a journalist, as an industry insider to, to be there on all those fronts. Sturgis is an amazing experience. And I'm fortunate that I have had the opportunity to, you know, to go and be part of and, and do and partake. Fantastic. Fantastic. But I don't know. And I've always said I'd want to go again. I, you know, obviously I would want to go, uh, take my wife and, 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 you know, when the book, my boys, when they got older, maybe that could be a thing could have been a thing. I don't know. Still could be, who knows, but that's, you know, I really loved my time in Sturgis, just an amazing experience. 
Um, but you know, things happen and, 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 you know, and the pandemic hit and then Sturgis still occurred. Now I'm not hating. I'm not hating anybody. You know, I get it as a writer. You, it's a tradition thing. It's a, to me, it's not politics. Anybody that brings politics into this, I'm not having that discussion with them. This is about science and health and just, it is what it is. It has nothing to do with politics. And if, like I said, if you are making it a political conversation, I'm not having that conversation with you. That's I'm not interested in that. But if you look at the sheer science and if you want to bring the politics in it and say, oh, well, the numbers are skewed, whatever, who cares? People are getting sick and people are dying. And that's that's all I need to know. So in that regard, I'm looking as a responsible member, <laughs> citizen of the universe, I'm looking to decrease, to minimize my footprint. I don't want to, I don't want to be exposed to anything that could bring me harm or my loved ones harm. I don't want to expose anyone to anything that could bring them harm or worse. So I'm thinking in my head how to you know, like it's, I, in my, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Sturgis, I, I obviously I did not go, and I'm questioning. I'm questioning the judgment of those that went because here's what happens. Let's just look at the science of it. The science of Sturgis. You have people from all over the country, all over the country coming to one location for one week. And I've seen the pictures and the video and the social media. I've seen the concerts. I've seen the bars, the restaurants, the elbow to elbows and the the crowds. And there's a lot of people. And I didn't sing and I don't want to hear politics. I'm not, I don't want to hear it, but I saw minimal, minimal mask wearing minimal. And again, the mask isn't necessarily to protect you. If you're wearing the mask, it's not necessarily to protect you. Okay. It's to protect the other person. Again, being a responsible citizen of the universe, it's about protecting because you may have something and not know it. And then you think about like this, your germs are your germs. Keep them to yourself. Okay. (laughs) So like, (laughs) you know, I wear my mask. With that in mind, you know, when I'm out and about and it's it's to keep whatever it's to keep whatever I have to me. OK, to to make sure that I'm not uh, unconsciously passing something forward. So Sturgis, I saw the pics, I saw the video, I saw the social media and I just saw a lack of responsible citizens. I didn't see damn near any responsible citizens of the universe. And and that troubles me because those riders, that's our community. That's our global family. That's our global family. And so they went to Sturgis for a week. And again, I wasn't there. I can, I can only go by what I saw and what I've heard and the conversations I've had with people that did go industry people and those people that were there are going to go back from which from which they came and potentially however 
two weeks, three weeks later, maybe not even ever, they may not display symptoms or even appear to be sick. But what if they went back to a home where there's an elderly person or someone who is more susceptible to a virus, the virus, the pandemic? Okay, how the hell you talk about contact tracing? Forget it. Impossible. Impossible. Okay. Um, I read in the newspaper that one person got home and tested positive for COVID. And I and if one person tested after they got back home, you can bet bottom dollar that other people are unfortunately going to test positive as well. And I get it. Testing positive isn't doesn't mean it's not a death sentence, but it's like, why risk it? Why risk it? I'm just not I'm not seeing the point. I'm not seeing the logic. I'm not seeing I'm talking about when you're talking about science, the science and the health. If if you if, if you know something is potentially going to I get it. We're riders. We do what the fuck we want to do. I get it. But like I do what the fuck I want to do, but I'm smart about it <laughs> as much as possible. Like I try to again, I you know, I have responsibilities to my family, to myself. I, you know, I take calculated risk. I mean, I ride a motorcycle, you know, but even in that, like I as I've gotten older, I've gotten to a point where like, you know, I can, there's a time and a place to take calculated risk. I I go to the track. That's where I, you know, that's where I kind of leave it all out there. When I'm riding on the street, it's a different set of mind. I need to come home at the end of the day. I need to come home. My wife would be very upset if I did not come home. My kids would be very upset if I did not come home. So I don't put myself in immediate situations, life happens, but I try my best to avoid situations where, you know, harm may come to me. Uh, And I just don't see the logic of going on vacation uh, to a rally uh, in the middle of the country that pulls in people from all over the country. And with this brazen attitude of, and, and, and I guess for them, it was a political statement. But I'm not having that conversation. I'm just not having that conversation. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I hope everybody is. I wish everybody wealth and health and and I long longevity and and long life. And I, I hope everybody has a grand life. I hope everybody has a grand life. I just you know when I see my people doing what I consider stupid things. I got to call them out for it. And I feel like that was some real stupid shit. You dig? Welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, y'all. Let's ride. Listen, man, listen. Moto GP. Okay? Moto GP. In my, I just talked about how 2020 is, has left us a few gems, a few jewels. Okay? okay? Clearly, clearly one of the most memorable years okay in my lifetime 2020 a lot of wrong reasons but a lot of great reasons moto gp let's talk about it let's talk about what everybody has talked about but black moses hasn't talked about it so we fit in to talk about it last week at the austrian gp okay let's just walk through it let's walk through it <laughs> 
We're talking about what they what 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 everybody has come to call the lap of God, the lap of God. Uh, and there's a lot of moving parts here. We're not going to get into all the details, but we're going to get into the generality of what occurred. Okay. I'm not going to talk about why the crash happened, but we're going to talk about what happened at the crash and immediately after. Okay. Okay. Austrian GP turn two, turn three. I forget which lap it is. Okay. Turn two, turn three, somewhere in that general vicinity. Johan Zarco, Franco Morbidelli, they connect. Okay. They connect. And actually, even though we're not getting into the specifics, uh, uh, Johan was actually, Johan Zarco actually received a penalty for it. And then at the next race, it was announced uh, later on in the week that he was found uh, not guilty, but he was the reason they, they said that he was riding uh, irresponsibly and what have you. So the stewards panel actually did penalize him. And I think he is starting the next race from pit row. Okay, so he's not going to grit up. He's going. That's his penalty. So if they, if you know, if if they penalized him, that means that they found him at fault. He can appeal, but as of as it stands now, he's starting the next race from pit, from pit lane. Um, so Johan Zarco, Franco Morbidelli, make contact. Uh, and it's nasty. It's nasty. Uh, Johan's bike continues straight. Hits the air fence. Okay. Hits the air fence. But that thing was like a bullet. That thing was his bike just boom, boom. I mean, it's by itself. Okay. (laughs) Like Johan went, you know, tumbling, but the bike kept going, hit the air fence, bounced off, came to a stop. This is when it got, this is the scary part. You have to watch it and there's videos floating around, but there's so many different angles of it. I mean, if there's Rossi has, uh, his onboard footage to watch. Uh, Maverick Vinales, his onboard onboard footage. Uh, you when you and just you, when you're watching this, you I clenched up. I've seen nasty crashes. I've crashed, but that crash it just was it was uh, it was weird. It was otherworldly, otherworldly. The way uh, Franco's uh, I'm sorry, the way Johan's bike rode off by itself. But it was Franco Morbidelli's bike that came tumbling toward. We're talking, I mean, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And you understand why I'm taking my time with it. If you haven't seen it, watch it and you'll understand why I'm taking my time with it. I'm trying to describe it the best way. In between, like Maverick was, this is in a turn. It's like around at the apex. Okay, at the apex. Or just around the apex. Mavericks just fractions of a second ahead of Rossi, fractions of a second behind. That little bit of space between those bikes, those that little bit of space is where is where the wreckage, the wreckage of Franco Morbidelli's bike just it just like a freight train. It, it filled that void of space between those two bikes was filled by the wreckage of Franco Morbidelli's Patrona's Yamaha bike. Just and it just like that. So we're talking about we're talking about 
there's actually if you there's a picture of Maverick, uh, bike on tilt, okay, bike at lean, not fooling, but bike at lean, and Maverick has his hands covering his helmet, okay. It's a beautiful image, powerful image. It's it's more it's weird, but it's a powerful image. It's beautiful, just a great moment in time. Tragic, but great moment, great photo. Uh, Maverick is holding his hands above his head, over his helmet. As if to block the debris that is, it's like shrapnel. Just, it's ridiculous. Okay. You see with, you know, on Rossi's onboard footage, the vibration of how close. To me, it looked like part of the bike actually went over, just skimmed the top of Rossi's helmet. But the vibrate, it was so close to vibe. You, when you watch the video, I mean, the riders shake, obviously, because of the speed and velocity. But this was a violent disruption of of of, of existence, violent disruption of existence. Um, and the bike filled the void, continued through, came to a stop. Maverick sped up, you know, continued through. Rossi continued through. Red flag. OK, race is stopped. Uh, Franco, thank God. Franco, who I would say suffered the worst. Okay. He was, he was, I'm not going to say he was okay. He was injured, but he, you know, he was okay in that regard. You know, we're talking about these aliens. Okay. So in that regard, he was okay. It could have been worse. Uh, Johan. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think he suffered any major injury. I don't believe so. But you, you're talking about what the ride, what the commentators begin to ex- express as the, the the lap of God. There was, you know, reg- I don't know what your religious beliefs are. I believe in universal, okay, universal things, okay. Something in the universe allowed that gap to exist between Maverick and Rossi, because had it not, one or both of those riders potentially would not be here today. Like you have to watch this video. You have to see it. Go to MotoGP.com. Um, and I think it is one of the free videos. If not, it's worth paying for the membership. I mean, oh my God, you, as a rider, as a rider, okay? You, and you're talking about just fractions of seconds between living. They're already living on the edge. They're already living on the edge, but to have that extra layer, that extra layer of risk, because it's not about their riding skill. Thank God they have the riding skills that they have, but the riders, that's the, the, it, it just debris, a bike. It, you watch this video, and if you're a rider, you get shook a little bit. You get shook a little bit. What was interesting to me was when they pulled into the pits and you before Rossi took his helmet off, you could see it in his eyes. You could see it in his eyes. I didn't see any pictures of Maverick, okay? But it, technically, it happened behind Maverick. So he, you know what I mean? Like it happened behind him. Rossi saw it coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like Rossi, like Maverick may have seen it in his peripheral. He may have seen it just like, you know, he saw something coming. That's why he knew to duck, you know, ducking. <laughs> okay. He knew to cover up. Okay. But 
Rossi saw it coming at him. And honestly, there would have been nothing he could have done. There would have been nothing. It reminded me of the opening scene of Biker Boys. Okay? The opening scene of Biker Boys when when, when kids, we found out later on, spoiler alert, when we found out (laughs) that kids, who he thought was his dad, Slick Will, when he passed away, um, was it Choo Choo? Smoke was racing Choo. Was he racing Choo Choo? Yeah, I think it was Choo Choo. Um, Because I remember, uh, 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 what was his name? Motherland. Motherland was like, Choo Choo. Choo Choo. He'll be here. He'll be here. (laughs) Because Choo Choo was like, man, I'm not waiting for another five minutes, man. I didn't give him. And Motherland was like, Choo Choo. He'll be here. If you ask me, he's just waiting to make an entrance. That's a horrible, horrible, (laughs) okay, impersonation of our man Digimon. But that's what that that scene when they do race um, and Choo Choo's bike goes through. Okay, you know, I I forget at this moment if it was a high side, whatever, but the bike goes tumbling and it takes Slick Will. It crashes into him like the bike is spinning in air in the air and it crashes into slick wheel and takes him into the storefront and he passes away. That is what I was reminded of seeing that bike. And if if Rossi was up a little further, if he was on the gas a little bit more, like I said, this is like rounding the apex. So he might have been getting ready to get on it just fractions of a second. That's that that bike, that wreckage coming to that bike coming toward him would have taken him out. And there would have been nothing that he could have done, nothing that he could have done. So when I'm when you see the photos, the videos of Rossi before he after he took his helmet off, you know, you could see you could see what was, you know, the man just literally life just passed his Life passed right before his eyes. But before, to me, the pictures that are more telling are the ones when he has his helmet on still and everything, his emotions are in his eyes. You can read it. And I'm not saying he was frightened, but I think if he, I could see, again, these are aliens. These guys have been through more stuff than most of us will ever have. Okay. I'm not saying he was frightened. Like I'm, I'm not saying you didn't see fear. I didn't see fear in his eyes. I saw pause. I saw pause. A man who paused and was reevaluating everything. He was re to me. That's what it read. It read as I am going to think about all my decisions that I have made thus far, even to what I had for breakfast this morning, even to what what I'm doing with myself right now. That's what I saw in that man's eyes. Pause and reevaluation. Um, not fear, not fear. Pause and reevaluation. I, I, I could only imagine. And actually, I can't imagine. I take that back. I can't imagine. Like I said, I've been, I've seen some horrible things. I've seen some horrible things. Okay. I've crashed on track. I've crashed. Uh, on the road, I've been struck. I've been broadsided by a vehicle, a minivan. Okay. (laughs) 
And to me, I'm not going to discredit my experience. Actually, it's unfair to even, you can't really compare. So I'm not going to. But I can sympathize the pause. And I think that's why I saw it. I think some people are like, oh, he's, he's afraid or is he, is, he, is he not going to settle? Because some writers, I think, were questioning whether they were going back out there. It was a very horrific thing. Even though nobody was gravely injured, it was just that moment of like, wow. Even though nobody got really injured, a whole lot of people could have been really injured. So I, the, the question was, who was going back out? So, again, not comparing, not comparing, but I recognize that pause and reevaluation because that's what I went through. Not on my first crash. My first crash was, you know, early, early on, early on. And, I, you know, you get it out of the way. You know, there's two types of riders, riders that have gone down and riders that are going to go down. But it's about how you get back up that matters. Okay, so for me, my first one, I've had three significant offs, three significant offs on my bike in my life. Uh, You know, like I said, the first one, I was on my 749 uh, and that, you know, that was just rider error. It was early on in my aggressive riding days (laughs) and uh, I just misjudged. I misjudged the road and the camber and the, you know, I just it was, you know. Pennsylvania back roads. It happens. Um, the second one, I was at a track day. I was actually doing Yamaha uh, Champion Riding School, and I just had a moment. Uh, I claimed the error on that one. There was someone else potentially involved, but I'll claim. I'll forever claim the error on that one. Either way, it was it was my line. But you know, like I said, it was. But that even that and that crash was pretty tragic. That was a yard sale. Um, I tumbled over. I high sided. This was at New Jersey and it was at the on the lightning course and coming right out of the bowl, coming right out of the bowl right before the front straight. I remember tumbling. I high sided. I tucked. I landed. I rolled. I slid and I stopped. And I, my body's my body position. I was facing the track. And here comes the bike <laughs> and the bike is doing somersaults toward me. But as it's somersaulting, the front wheel goes, <laughs> the tank goes. <laughs> OK, like there's a rear set. There's a handlebar. The bike is breaking down as it's tumbling toward me. And it got about maybe maybe 10, maybe 10 feet, 10 to five feet in front of me, which doesn't sound like a lot or maybe it does. But it stopped tumbling and came, you know, and it slid just a little bit more. So and I didn't want to, you know, your first instinct is to get up and run. But literally, I was it was like, okay, is this thing going to stop? Like, I'm still sliding. I didn't really know if I was super injured. I didn't actually thank God both of those crashes. I did not have any serious injuries. In in fact, after the first one uh, on my 749 in P.A., I rode the bike home. I picked it up, rode the bike home. Okay. And you know, it is what it is. The, the, the crash at, with the Yamaha champion riding school, it was that crash. I got back up. I was fine. I actually was able to ride off track. Um, I think it was Scott, uncle Scott Russell. He was, uh, an instructor that day. And I think I hopped on his FZ and rode it back into the pits, uh, back into the paddock. We had lunch. And then after lunch, 
we got back out there and I hopped on an R6 and had my best lap of the day. Had my it, it was like I got it out of my system. It was weird. It was like after that crash, it was okay. Now I know what that feels like. <laughs> it was I got back on it and I I outperformed myself. But in each of those situations, there was a moment of pause and reevaluation. It was kind of like, what the fuck am I? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, are you crazy? That's what I'm saying to myself. Just reevaluating my life's choices. Okay. The last crash that I had, and I've talked about this before, which wasn't really a crash because I never dropped the bike, but I got hit. I was broadsided. And that, oh, man, you're talking about slow motion. Everything slowed down. My other crashes happened quick. Boom. It just, you know, it happened. This crash, the one when I was hit, the most recent one, we're going back like two or three years, maybe yeah, two or three years. First of all, it wasn't my fault at all. (laughs) A woman driving a a minivan uh, just blew a stop sign and Cross double yellows and yellows and white and dots and everything crossed two lanes to, and just plowed into the side of me and continued to push me from one lane to the next. I was in the left lane. She came across oncoming traffic, uh, crossed the double yellows, pushed me, made, blew into me, pushed me from the left lane to the right lane and never, she didn't hit the brakes. I was able to, and I'm saying that's how slow it happened. It, in my mind, it happened so slow that I was able to, re- re- first of all, pause, <laughs> reevaluate, and then realize, wait a minute, I can get out of the situation. So I throttled, you know, I got on the gas and I throttled out from in front of her car. Um, I'm sorry, of her van. But and I came to a stop and, you know, blew my ankle apart. It was when it kind of, when it, oh man, that, I just remember that lightning, that, that, that fire just pow, shot up my leg when she, when she came into contact with me. But the point is that moment of pause, that moment of pause. And when I got, when I came to a stop and the gentleman came over and there's a funny story about the first guy who saw me and his praising my riding skills for not dropping the bike. That's a different story for a different day with the gentleman who came over and eventually helped me put my kickstand down because my leg was pretty much useless at that point. Um, and while waiting for the emergency vehicles, I'm just evaluating. I'm thinking. Everything stopped. I'm paused. I'm reevaluating. And I'm just thinking, what the hell am I doing? What have I done? What am I going to do? And then it kept going. Once I realized, one, that I wasn't dead, and I realized that I did not crash the bike, and that the bike, you know, I start thinking to myself, well, okay, wait a minute. In my reevaluation of myself, there was not, there was no regret. Like reevaluation doesn't mean regret. It just means that you're reevaluating, you're rethinking, you're processing, reprocessing. It's all data. It's all data. You, what, how, you, how you review it, how you read it, how you use it is what determines its worth. There's a lot of people who have crashed on down who said, that's it, one and done, one and done. And that's fine. That's how they live their lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. They evaluated and reevaluated their situation, perhaps asked themselves, what am I doing? I don't want to do this anymore. And they decided not to. And you know what? That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Me, I paused, I reevaluated, I processed, 
And I kept going because in my processing of that data, I realized I had no regrets and that it was because of my skill that I was able in that last one. And that was the only one where I actually, my first two walked away with no injury. It was the last one that wasn't my fault that I, that I suffered injury. But even in that, in that, I realized that it could have been worse if I did not have the knowledge or the wherewithal to understand what was happening. Had that lady slammed on brakes, her momentum, the speed at which she was traveling, had she hit the brakes, I would have, I basically would have toppled over. The way she hit me, the point of impact was low, was center of gravity, was very low. Okay, so it hit my ankle, which was at my case cover. I was riding my ex Diavos forward control. So my ankle was the first thing to come in contact with her vehicle. So as she's pushing me across, had she hit the brakes, I would have toppled over to the right and her momentum would have carried that, that van's momentum would have ran me over. Okay. It could have been worse. And that's what my evaluation was that that situation could have been a whole lot worse. And I was okay. I was going to sit out for a couple of weeks, but I was going to be fine. My bike was fine. A couple, you know, it, it, it could have been worse. Could have been worse. There obviously was a, a little bit of, you know, cosmetic damage, but it could have been a whole lot worse. And I was okay. And as soon as I could, as soon as I could, I went, and, you know, you go to the doctor, they put you, you know, you go to the hospital, x-rays broken. All right, what's the program? Are right, you shutting it down for a couple of weeks? All right, cool. I call Big Brother Jason, Big Brother Jason Britton, and I said, yo, because Jason has broken so many bones in his body from his career of being a stuntman and just a rider. He's been through it. So I said, Jay, like, seriously, how long am I looking at? And Jay was like, look, man, just take it easy. Be easy with it. Do what the doctors told you, and you should be back up and running sooner than later. So I did that. I chilled. Uh, and, you know, my wife took great care of me and, 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 and my boys were great and they were understanding. It was cool. So it was great for like, I don't know, however many weeks. My first day back on a bike was at Laguna Seca in Monterey. OK, that was my first day back on the bike at a tractor. And it was it was great. I wasn't su- I wasn't a superstar. I didn't go out there and, and, and kill it. But I was out there. And my rule was if I could get my foot into this boot, I'm riding. So I suited up, booted up, got out there and I had a blast. And I was like, that's it. I'm back. I'm back. And even in that moment, I paused and reevaluated. And it was like, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? It means that if I fall down, I can get back up. If I fall down, I can get back up. I understand life's hard. Life is hard. But the objective here is to be harder than life. I mean, think about that. Think about that. And I find it interesting that so many people in the news since that, you know, the lap of God, it's been all about what is Rossi going to do? What's Rossi going to do? Is he going to keep racing? Is he going to keep going? And, you know, obviously he is. He has not announced that he's not going to. But nobody has asked, how's Maverick doing? (laughs) Is anybody? I mean, like nobody's made a stink really about other than Johan getting penalized. 
people really haven't asked. Hey, how's he doing? People haven't asked about Franco. I haven't seen it. That's not the news. That's not newsworthy. I think it is collectively like everybody should be asking what like (laughs) it's just Franco got jacked up. Franco got jacked up. And I just feel like in the news cycle, it's not even being addressed. His injuries or maybe it is, but. It's further down the page up top. The headline is, what is Rossi going to do? Is he going to continue? I get it. I get it. I'm just making a point here. Somebody check on Franco. That's all I'm asking. Does, does somebody give Let us know. Is, is he okay? How's he feeling? How's Maverick doing? Somebody reach out. Okay. The doctor, Rossi. Okay. We get it. I get it. As much as I can. As much as I can. He's going to keep going because that's what he does. The point is, in f- facing such drastic or sev- the severity of that tragedy, that wasn't a tragedy. It was more of a mental and emotional trauma. Okay. We'll see what happens at the next race. We'll see what happens. We'll see how everyone performs. But the fact is, there's going to be another race. That's life. There's going to be something else. There's going to be an, an, another dot, dot, dot. It's important for us. It's important for us as citizens of the universe that if we fall down, you got to get up. And you don't necessarily have to pop back up. Everybody, no, the, the get back is the get back. I mean, you get to the get back. Sometimes the process of getting back to the get back is, is more enjoyable than getting to the get back. But the point is, you got to get back. Life is hard. Be harder than life. You dig? That's our show for this week. Listen, man, please follow the show on Instagram at Life in the Fast Lane Official, on Twitter at L I T F L Official, and on Facebook at Life in the Fast Lane Podcast. Please hit that like, hit that subscribe, drop a review, drop a comment, hit that share button. Black Moses appreciates you. We'll be right back here next Friday with an all-new episode of Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. I'm gone! This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The draft process, when you're dealing with character question mark, you're not, excuse me, when you're dealing with evaluation of players, there is thorough background checks on all these players, anybody that you'd even consider signing as an undrafted free agent or better drafting, you're going to get thorough background checks. Okay. Yes. You have boots on the ground with scouts that try to unearth information about this or that, but in the league league team officials employ former FBI type people that have access to information that other people don't have. And there was, some stuff that was unearthed about Darius. To what degree exactly what it was, don't know. It was something that needed to be investigated. Well, it was investigated to the point where teams were made aware of it and everybody had to assess the risk factor of taking him. Some were a little bit more concerned about it than others. Some didn't have them on their board or if they were going to mitigate the risk, would have only considered taking them much later. The Redskins thought good value in the second round because a player they had 
as a first-round Grady player is now available in the second round, and they did not think it was as big of an issue. Their intel said that, well, we've heard that, but we don't know that it's anything really grave. So we can mitigate our risk at the second round. Well, obviously, as I've mentioned, they've released him. Different administration and organization. Now, Ron Rivera is running it. But the intel from Washington was a little different than some others. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.